Teeth flying out, you got fingers falling <laughs> off. Yeah, body parts in your stories, man. And that's why John and Phil have to be separated, apparently. He said, You're not even gonna be around me. Bad stuff travels, body parts go flying. It's it's yeah, yeah. They're they're let, let me let me ask you all this. Do you guys this is another thing we need to add to the list, Flan? I think we should try this. I, you guys ever obviously you guys you guys know tremendous amounts about football, right? Everybody, you, you guys got it. You guys have forgotten today more than I'll ever learn about football. And I know that that's fine. But have you guys ever had to coach any other sports? And what was the most outlandish or craziest sport that you had to coach that you had no idea what you were doing if there was one? And how did you do it? I've been fortunate in that, like I, I coached powerlifting for you know, several years and I coached baseball, but I was, you know, like I played high school baseball. So I enjoyed that. Uh, powerlifting was related to football for me. So I enjoyed that. And that's, I've never, you know, I've never had to coach anything that I really didn't. Baseball was not as fun to coach that as it was to play. You know what I'm saying? Like, why is that baseball practice takes so long? I mean, it just, or it did for us. Like, it just took – so, like, everybody had to hit. You know, I was the pitching <laughs> coach, you know, and, and it just it just seemed to ta- – like, the action. Like, where's the action? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's just – and to this day, like a baseball game. Oh, my gosh. Like, I would rather – now, like, I'll go watch our kids play because I support our kids and whatever they do. But, like, if you got season tickets – like my father-in-law would have season tickets to the Atlanta Braves. They'd have the, you know, a, a box or whatever. And, I, and he would like, he would like, well, we'd go home. He'd like, we got to go see the Braves. And I'm like, oh my God, not again. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't want to do it, man. Like it takes about four hours. Now they've got a shot clock right on the pitcher. So it's probably better, but you know, I don't think it's called a shot clock. I think that's a, that's a basketball, but, and that's okay. Nobody expects you. It is a smart man's game. And so I, it, it's not for everybody. That's okay. Uh, hey, John, we usually around, I usually call it organized rest. To be honest with you. I mean, organized yeah. rest. Yeah. There's a lot of resting. You know what I'm saying? No, that's golf. That's not baseball. There's games within games. It's chess. Let's be real. There's, there's so many games in there, but see, I, the reason why I ask is because Flynn, when I first got there, he tried to convince me, to take over the diving team. And I, 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 the only only dives I've ever done were accidental. And so I, I didn't really, I wasn't quite sure like if that anybody, if you had a a boss or anybody that just tried to sabotage you from day one, like he did with me. That's why. Welcome to the coaches lounge podcast dedicated to the experiences from the real coaches offices around the country. These are the great stories we love to share and hear from the gridiron court and fields across America. Now join coaches, Kevin Flanagan and Matt Marshall as they open the lounge. Now. Hey, let me tell you what you're missing. What you're missing, you've dropped the ball on that. I coached some wrestling, and and I coached it about as well as I tr- as I did it in high school, which was terrible. And uh, but I was definitely, definitely up to the task on JV because about none of those kids. I mean, you get four cues. It's the same four cues for eight hours in a gym the entire day. But I got into uh, track. We did a little track at Ranger. We did girls track, and so. I did some throwers, started doing the throwers, and YouTube's phenomenal, but let me tell you what's a little better. I found out that in our community is a married couple named Christian and Terry Cantwell. Terry just got put in SMU's uh, uh, Athletic Hall of Fame. Christian's at Emu's Hall of Fame. Christian won the silver in Barcelona in shot put, and Terry has coached like eight years 
Division One, and also went to the Olympics. They have a son that's in our junior high that just set a world record. We had to borrow the steel tape and shot the book. And Terry comes over and works with me on Wednesdays. Let me tell you, I'm real good. Okay, I'm thinking yeah. about. It. So uh, that there's your key. It's who you surround yourself with. You don't have to know a daggum thing. Okay, Coach Perry's figured that out. Okay, you don't have to know anything. Just surround uh, yourself. With yeah. So I should have had Greg Luganis come over and do some stuff for me. That's what you're telling me. Okay, I you got missed you. your opportunity, man. You I did. I did. I did. Hey, I heard you say shot put. Shout out Scott Reed. That's about the only guy that I know that that just really gets giddy for the shot put. So I had to throw him a little love there. There you go. Flan, you ever had to coach anything other? I mean, well, I mean, you never had any of those crazy Me? side coaching jobs, right? Did you? Did you? Weren't you a water polo coach for a little bit last year or two yeah, years ago? Well, that was that was yeah. We we had no one doing water polo. So when I was there, we had no one doing water polo. The only thing I did for the water water polo team was I cleaned out some of the inventory, went through their shirts, and picked out some good shirts. I thought it'd be good shirts for me to have, and I got the the hoodie and stuff. But other than that. Um, yeah, he sports it. But you, they, I talked to somebody. They said you played Marco Polo more than you taught him how to play water polo. <laughs> yeah, that I, I didn't know the difference. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, that was like me with freshman football. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. So, okay. So, Reminded let me, me ask you this: Missouri. I did not. I did not. Wow. Well, it was misrepresented. It was. It got lost in translation. I wouldn't call it a blatant lie. Ish. So here, here. So. Missouri, okay. Look, here's another thing we're gonna have to butt heads on. Missouri, Texas, who's got the better barbecue, boys? Well, enough said. Yes, sir. I got best, you. That's okay. As we speak, I'm 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 smoking it as we as we speak, my friend. But go ahead. I'm sorry. The best barbecue. I I, I wish I could tell you the place, but we went to a. Uh, we went to a clinic at Baylor one year when Art Bryles was still there. We had Googled whatever the best barbecue place was in Texas between, you know, the Texas border and, and uh, Baylor. And we pulled in and I did. I, okay. Like we don't do barbecue in Mississippi like that. Okay. So we pull in kind of late. And when we go to order, they ain't got crap. Like they ain't got nothing on the menu. And I'm like, man, this is ridiculous. So we eat whatever they got. I go on TripAdvisor and man, I freaking, I give them the lowdown, man. Like I just rip them on the reviews and I'm ripping them. Well, we go on the Baylor and on, on the way back, we're like, you know what, man? Like, let's give them another chance. I mean, are they supposed to be the best one? It's a normal time of day. We stopped in there at a normal time of day. And I'm going to tell you, that was one of the best meals that I've ever had in my life. So, like, I had to go back on TripAdvisor, figure out, delete my my negative (laughs) review, you know, and put a positive one because it was fantastic. Now, we went to Kansas City last year and went to a place that was supposed to be pretty good. And it wasn't bad, but, I mean, I don't know. The best best I've ever eaten was Kansas Kansas City, Kansas. Because there's Missouri too, right? Yeah. Missouri. Hey, uh, I'll tell you this. I've had a lot of both of them. And we didn't take him to the right place. It was a it was a group effort. It was a chain, you know, but uh it wasn't the Arthur Bryan's or the Casey Joe's or that's the real what 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 confused me when I went down to Texas <laughs> growing up in Missouri is barbecue involved a grill, it involved meat, and then involved sauce. And I, I'm a sauce guy. I like sauces. And and I forever was getting barbecue in Texas, and there wasn't any daggum sauce. And I couldn't figure it out. It was just, I guess, the rub or the, you know, uh, it, it was it, it was dry. So I'm going to say Kansas City. They, they, okay. they do, okay. they do it Okay, fair dry. enough. I don't yeah, know. I if, think it, does that work? Like, I just cook steaks tonight, and uh, it always kind of gets all over me when my wife – dumps a one all over it and stuff i mean it's kind of like <laughs> do you really need sauce on barbecue if it's done right i mean i'm just thinking that's that's exactly the that's exactly the mentality of uh texas barbecue if it's good enough you don't need sauce yeah. is what they think but I, i'm kind of with you i think i think there could be a hybrid of some just bomb awesome barbecue and a good sauce just you know just a clean your palate or something if you need it but so okay flan i think it's fair to say 
One for the good guys down south uh, in the barbecue column there. This would be a good time to uh, just put a shout-out for our sponsor, Sweet Baby Ray's. No, they're not our sponsor. <laughs> Shoot. I thought you were talking Franklin's over in Austin. <laughs> hey, so, okay, so, all right, let me, let me add another thing that's good. Okay, so you guys barbecue at the house on your own? Because this was another highly contested debate in past episodes. Yeah? Okay, I see. Not here. Hey, let me okay. ask you this. What about the tri-tip? Oh, son. The what? Man. Do you do, do, do tri-tips? Burn ends. Okay, well, like, I, I'd never heard of a tri-tip till I moved to Missouri. Like, I just, I, I don't even know that you can buy them in the supermarket in Pearl. Well, you yeah. move up here, and the first time I go to Phil's house, he, he cooks two tri-tips, okay? And, like, man, they are phenomenal. Like, it's a, it's a, I'll let Phil explain to you what it is, what the actual tri-tip is, but uh, I have gotten onto that. Like, he, he coached me up on how to do that, so I probably do at least one tri-tip every 10 days, you know? Like, it is uh, Man, we need to start, we need to start, here we go right here. We start a coach's barbecue recipe group. That, I mean, because, I mean, you know, because I, you know, I, I'm, I just got a new, I a new smoker, and I'm I'm all about it, and I'm always looking for ideas. So Phil, I'm gonna hit you up. I'm just letting yeah, you know, no I'm, I'm already gonna be negative. I'm I'm gonna get you. I'm try, gonna, tip, gonna try to try tips that cut of meat, and it's really it's really good for a rookie because it's hard to screw it up, especially if you have a thermometer. You slow cook it, and like, like we have green eggs, so we reverse sear it. Uh, but before I got my green egg, we used to primary sear it, you know, sear it first and seal it in. But you get it to about 130 and then you turn it up and sear it for a couple minutes. And we have a great butcher shop here in town that doesn't sponsor us, but we have a great butcher <laughs> shop in town. And uh, they they do uh, they do a garlic and herb pappy rub on it. They shake it up for you. And, uh, you know, it, it's one of those, you, you don't need any sauce. I agree with you. And it's got a lot of flavor. And then the whole key of it, this is what we've learned is how you cut it because it, it's in the shape of a meat boomerang and you got to cut it at the end and split the grain and then come back and make your slices and it's absolutely phenomenal and it's kind of marbled it's a cheaper meat it's kind of like a ribeye roast is kind of what it is with a big piece of fat on top you see and, and that's i i get way too excited when we start talking about this stuff like i am i'm like an adult chunk from goonies like i'm a fat kid doing the truffle shuffle inside right now like i'm loving it as we speak i'm smoking a pork right now and it'll go overnight like i that's my again dummy proof great for a rookie so you yeah. said are you a charcoal guy or are you a propane guy are you a pellet grill guy that there's been there's been almost knocked down fights at, at coaching school there was a bunch eric lister hey uh big dog yeah hey big dog i'm just telling you i know you'll whoop me i know you look like big e from wwe but you're wrong in your assessment and i'll say that as i'm running away and hopping in a car but where y'all at john phil where y'all at on that we're the we're the green egg yeah which is that charcoal, that's charcoal, charcoal right charcoal. yeah yeah. Okay. Well, Slow you're with you're with Eric. Yeah. Damn. Okay. Yeah. Well, that just backfired. Well, I'm I'm I don't care. I'm a pellet guy. I, I've got my rec tech and, and and I'm out there and I just have the app right here and I could just go, you know what? I want to increase the heat a little bit. Throw the pellets in there. I it is bougie. I understand it, but man, is it made so much more fun for me cooking that meat? And I've actually lost weight because of that, because plan out my meals and I'm having fun with it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, see, this is too easy. You guys are agreeing too damn much. I, I need to get some <laughs> what you need or no do, here. You need huh? to figure out how to get Phil to send you some of his uh man, this dude makes his own special mustard. And like the tri-tip, like if you take the tri-tip, you dip it in that mu Ooh, it's the best thing. Like you you put the mustard on everything. Like I now dip it on everything I'd eat. Waffles. I don't know what's in it. Him and his daddy make it together, but it is fantastic. It's a family. Gosh, I don't know where it came from. Maybe England. My great granddad came over from there, but uh, it's just it's it's basic. And if I told you what you put in it, you wouldn't even realize how it tasted. And I've got six jars in my that keeps me employed because I have to run Coach Perry one about every two months. But uh, I feel I feel like I I feel like I need that in my life. 
Yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of, there's no horseradish in it, but it's got a kind of a horseradish uh, flavor a little bit. Uh, mustard, maybe a Dijon type. Pretty easy, pretty good. It's my retirement plan. I got to figure out how to market it. So John yeah. just grabbed his sleeve and wiped his saliva coming out of his mouth. Good lord! I, well, I'm we'll get you to we'll get you to leave your contact info on here, and and both of our listeners. I think we're up to three now, so uh, we'll get a couple of get a couple of uh, orders. Yeah. No, we had that one download from Madagascar. We got four good now. Point. Good point. If you ship over there. Yeah, that Wi-Fi is strong. No telling what they're dipping in it over there. Uh. <laughs> All right. So let me ask you this then. Any what any any what are your are you superstitious at all? Any weird rituals or certain ways you got to do things before a game? We had one guy that had, you know, he had marital affairs with his wife on a certain day. It had to happen or else, you know, had to be scheduled. You know, that was, that's, you know, certain routines. The right term, marital affairs. I don't think. Well, it's that better is. than extramarital. <laughs> Sound. Well, if it's not, if it's not extramarital, what is it? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Hey, if you don't have a solution, don't complain about the problem, sir. I just said I'm not sure it's right. It, it's not where my mind was going, that's for sure. I went, <laughs> well, he I, led me astray there. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask the old Google. But you guys, I want to hear what you have to say here. I'm not superstitious. I'm extremely cautious. You know, like I'm gonna wear the same pair of pants, the same shirt, the same vest, the same visor, and if you know, if we lose, I'm going to change the visor to another visor, but it's going to be like, it's, it, 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 it's the, the same thing. Like it's, it's, I feel like, uh, you know, like it's not superstitious, but I'm very, OCD. like, I want to wear the same. I'm, yeah. I'm OCD about that. No <laughs> doubt about it. No so do you have to put one sock know, on like, before the other? No, none of that, man. Not, none of that. You know, uh, you know, I do have like what we have challenge coins. I've had those for a long time. I always have that in my pocket. That's kind of my reset button. You know, like if things go haywire, I kind of put my hand in my pocket and tap it. And that, that gets me back to, you know, chill out mode. You know what I'm saying? And, and I'm going to tell you what you can learn from baseball and softball is the mental game. You know, like the mental game of baseball and softball is huge, you know, and I have here recently read several books related to that because, you know, it's the biggest. I don't know if there's another sport where you fail more. Right. I mean, you fail 70 percent of the time in in that sport and you can be a Hall of Famer. So learning how to overcome failure is huge, you know, so <laughs> like, like, you know, and that physical i don't know if y'all are into the brian kane stuff but you know a lot of the stuff he teaches is put a physical you know something to release anything that was bad you know what i'm saying so i like that receiver drops a ball you know like flush it man let's go you know what i'm saying like throw it away you know you miss a you miss a free throw like whatever it is throw it away flush it move on you know like there are uh, techniques you can use to mentally put yourself in a better place, you know, and that's what, like that coin in my pocket, that's what that is. You know, if you get flustered or, or upset or, you know, that, that is, that, and that's always there. Land feel feels the same way. Phil probably has his in his pocket. Now, if he don't, it's cause he ain't got no pants on, but if he had his pants on, he'd, uh, <laughs> he'd, have, a, he'd have a coin in his pocket. Hey, so is that, that's like bull Durham when they had to sacrifice live chicken kind of the same thing, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Now I would freak out if I didn't have that coin on me. Like that would be the one thing that, like that would be that would be strange. Like I don't know what that. Now I buy the coins and I store the coins. So if by some chance I didn't have, I would have you know a box of them in my desk anyway. So I'm not gonna go without one. I was gotcha. gonna say I don't freak out. I just sneak in John's office and give me another one. <laughs> what I do. But and I'll tell you what else it is. You want to see? You know, like our coaches, they have little kids and stuff, and I'll flip one to them and talk about make their day. You know, that's pretty fun. It's you know just having that in your pocket. You know, so that that's a really cool thing. They've been a neat thing, and he's right. I <laughs> I do have pants on, but it's over in the bowl where my car keys are, and my wallet is. That I put it, I put it in that left pocket every day. And I feel I think like that's uh, you know, I, I I'm I'm not I'm not above 
you know, begging. So I feel like I need one of those coins so I can have one in my pocket. I think I need, I need, you need to send me one so I can have my uh, little calming moment there when I start getting hot headed. Yeah. yeah. So you text Absolutely. me, text me your address and I'll put one in the mail. I promise you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I love it. I love it guys. I'm just, this, I, I could talk to you guys and listen to y'all talk all night, but I really like one of the things that our listeners especially the ones over there in Scotland. They really love it when Flanagan gets extremely uncomfortable. And I'm trying to figure out ways that we could make him a little bit, you know. A, so yesterday, so in our last episodes, what 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 the, these listeners didn't hear was, or see, was his wife was walking around in the background with next to nothing on. And and you could see his eyes were, were kind of like trying to turn the camera or whatever. And and then today you see what the backdrop is now. It's a wall. Like he's not risking it. He's learned his lesson. And he's looking at his wife going, see, I told you, Michelle, you were just shaking that ass like only you can. But now everybody <laughs> saw it. Now Marshall's never going to look at you the same way. Now, uh, yeah, okay, John. I got two stories. Yes, sir. <laughs> Number one, Snapchat is invented while I'm in Pearl, right? So and I'm very quick to jump on the newest trend, man. Like you throw it out there and I'm going to use it. So I paint my, 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 my daughter goes to college and my son takes her room because it had a bathroom in there. So I go in, repaint the room, spend a lot of time, man, school colors. I'm so proud of it. Well, I go in there like on a Saturday morning and I'm like, I'm videoing the room and I'm going to send it on my Snapchat, right? Right. So to, you know, whoever's on my, my deal and I video the whole freaking room and I send it out. Bam. I'm proud of it, man. It's blue and gold and it's pretty. Well, the first text, she says, coach, you got to be careful about the mirrors in the bathroom. And I'm standing there and I got on my freaking underwear and that's it. Like, I'm just like video in the whole room. I'm borderline naked. Okay, like That was my first like, be very careful on Snapchat, That's right? why they were chanting your name when you walked out there. <laughs> That's yeah. probably why they might have seen the Snapchat. Barry. No pants, <laughs> Barry. Yep. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Like what you hear? Subscribe. Share with your friends and tell everybody all about this. You want even more cool stuff? Come support us on Patreon. You get more of the cool stuff and you get secret stuff that nobody else gets. All by joining our Patreon. And then my other one, my, my other one was Zoom. Me and my me and my wife are in a hotel, uh, and I'm sitting in a class as I do a lot. Montclair State University. I sit in on class a bunch with Dr. Gilbert. Well, I'm in a class, and she's in the bed, you know. And it's like I don't know why, but the class is like eight or nine o'clock at night, and so I'm sitting in a chair, got a mirror behind me, and she gets out, she gets out of that bed and she stands up and walks around and she don't have much on but when she stands up and walks by it don't dawn on me until I think, oh, my God. I kind of just, like, point at this mirror, and she's just like. So I, have, I will guarantee you, Dr. Gilbert don't know this, but if he went back to that episode and he rewound that joker to whatever time that was, I guarantee you he would see something walking in that mirror behind me. I guarantee Oh, my God. Like okay, it, well, I- it freaked me out for a while. I bet. And, and as I am too, because now I have to, I owe all everybody that's listening to this uh, an apology because I looked up marital affairs and it's uh, not what I thought the term meant. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> that was Ashley Madison um, and uh, millions of married people looking for adventure. That's not what I meant by that. I'm sorry for if that was it. Uh, and now I, I have it in my search, my, my history. So now uh, I have to explain I it to my that. wife why that's in my phone. So uh, yeah, that Ashley and, Madison was some good stuff. Did that come out in <laughs> Texas too? Uh, this I don't know, but this is the best affair sites of 2021. The top five. Yeah, that's not what I'm looking for. So that wasn't what I meant. Yeah. No. So, uh, uh, Gina, Ann, this wasn't anything. I promise. Uh, so, I, I, what about you, Phil? You got any? You got any uh, quirky uh, rituals or no. routines or anything? No, I was I was going to tell you. Usually, when I'm on the computer, I keep my clothes on. But I thought that's where you were going there for a second. Uh, <laughs> No, I think it's, you know, it's what John says. It's the process. You know, I think somebody said, I'm not superstitious, but I'm a little stitious. Yeah. And that's, you I know, like that. that's kind of how I feel. And he said repetitive, you know, it's, it, and mine starts from, you know, our planning process is, uh, John has a great one. Uh, one of the most unique practice schedules I've ever been a part of. And it's absolutely fantastic. 
but when I start about Thursday, when I go home, my game prep starts and, you know, I, I know everything I'm going to do, but it's just the process of putting it on paper, the process of laminate, the process of making copies. And it, it's just that rehearsal, that rehearsal. And then, you know, our pregame is fantastic. A good chance to walk through with our kids. In fact, we were standing in the hallway the other day and we're, you know, one of the things that's fun is we just keep looking at different ways to get our kids more focused, more prepared, you know, so it's going to change. But I said mine's the process, but I would like be at the coins, be at my call sheet. And I'll be honest with you, defense coordinator needs a call sheet on a stamp. I mean, you know, it about calls itself, but I've got this thing because, you know, I watch NFL and I want everybody to think I'm pretty smart. So I've got this color coded, you know, bifold, you know, it's, it's, crap i end up calling about three defenses yeah. but uh it's just the process you know that's my do you have do you, do you have the uh do you have the the kids that stand up behind you with the big uh sheet on the poles and, and put up behind you i i'm still trying to figure out what that's about can you maybe you guys enlighten me because i act like yeah. i i'm smart my, my everybody i watch a game with they're like coach why why are they doing that and i make up all kinds of excuses i have no idea do y'all know I think John needs to share about stealing signals, John. <laughs> they're they're hiding from the opposing coach because you yeah. take folks like like uh uh what's the guy at uh New England? Belichick. Bel- Belichick. Know, like Belichick has had people on staff whose only job was to record the opposing sideline, you know, and like when they started having coaches leave his staff and go get head jobs like too much of that word got out like supposedly the year they played the rams and barely beat them they actually snuck a guy in the stadium videoed their practice the day before the game their entire walkthrough you know like so now they are i tell you what he has a guy up in his you know he has a guy in his press box that's one of his best friends that's not even a real coach like his only job is to decipher the video that they get from the dudes on the sideline. You know what I'm saying? Like that's his job. That's that's who Bill Belichick's talking to. I don't even know if he's talking to the rest of the coaches, but he's talking to his friend up there who's like a borderline genius, you know, who's gotten this all the all the you know, the beat on the signals and all this stuff. And you know, like that's what they're for. That's what they're hiding. They're hiding their own coaches from the camera. That's what you need, Flan. I could be your rain man like that. I could decipher that code. I could make I could, there you go. You can I, certainly uh, confuse some people, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, I, was I, didn't know, like, get- I, I just learned, you know, I probably six or eight years ago even thought about that. You know, it's so, like we intentionally have started trying to figure out the signals because if you take a team that has a uh video guy that's less than and films more than he should, like you know, we won a ball game one year versus a team that was really good. But every single time they threw the ball, we knew it. And every time they ran the ball, we knew runner pass. Yeah. You know, like we may not have been dead on on the, but like, you know, this was a run play. One signal. This, this, this was a pass play. You know, like, so like we were, every time they threw the ball, we had two safeties. Every time they ran the ball, we had one. It was pretty simple, well, you know. Welcome to organized sports football. Baseball's been stealing signs for 200 years. So no whatever. I mean, it. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was mad. I was mad. I was late to the party. You know, I mean, that's an advantage. Yeah, for sure. John, let's hear it. Never quit. Okay. Okay. This is, this is, I've told this story uh, in that sports psychology class at Montclair state. I will promise you probably 50 times. Like I'll have to get on here pretty soon because new semester and tell it again, but this is a true story. I graduate Pearl high school. I go to Heinz community college, going to play football. Me and one of my friends from uh, Pearl go there together. Well, we get there uh, a little bit, you know, fall camp, kicks in before school starts. I had dated the same girl for five years. We had broke up. Uh, I'm homesick. The coach back in that time, like Hines was one of the premier junior colleges, you know, and we were really good. We were having three a days and like life sucked. Like life was hard. Like it was, you know, and I don't know if it was being homesick. It was, you know, the breakup with the girl, the football, the, like, it was terrible. So anyway, we bounce along there a couple of days and my buddy comes in one day and says, I'm going to quit. 
And he says, uh, I stopped by Coach Murphy's office and I gave him my key. And he sat on the bed and he called his dad and he said, Dad, I'm coming home today. I quit. And his dad said, well, come on home, son. And so he goes home. So now I'm there by myself, you know, room. I go back to practice a couple of days. Man, it's brutal. And I'm still homesick. I'm still thinking I'll never find another female in the world, right? Because I'm not the best looking dude in the world. Well, <clears throat> then practice is still hard. He's still, coach is still crazy. And about two days later, I'm still like, man, you know what? That dude had a good idea. I think I'm going to quit too, man. I don't, I don't like this. I'm going to, so I go by Coach Murphy's uh, office and I give him my key. And I said, Coach Miles, I won't do it no more. Well, I go back to the dorm room, just like my friend did. And I sit down and I call my dad. I said, dad, uh, I'm coming home today. I quit. And he said, uh, son, you can quit if you want to, but you ain't coming home. Find you somewhere else to live. Click. And he hung up. <laughs> well, it was one of those conversations that I, I was 100% sure that he was sincere. Like I wasn't going home. So then I sat there and I thought, okay, like, where am I going to go? You know, like my closest relatives were in Corinth, Mississippi, and they got a bunch of screws loose. Like I no, wasn't no way I was going up there, you know? So I, I sit there and ponder and I'm like, you know what? I think I'm going to go back over and see coach Murphy and see if there's any possible way I can get my key back just so I got a place to spend the night. So I bounced up into coach Murphy's office and I'm like, coach, man, I made a mistake. I said, you know, I don't want to quit. Can I get my key back? He gives me my key back. I go ahead and I stay, you know, within two weeks. I love it. You know, become an all-state lineman, go to Harding University, have a great career, meet my wife, you know, got two kids. We just had our first granddaughter. And if my dad had not said, uh, no, sir, find you somewhere else to live, I would have had none of that. You know, like we didn't have money. We couldn't, I would have never went to college, you know, like I, I was in the summertime, you know, throwing bricks, you know, what I was doing. And, you know, it just kind of, you know, I think back me, me and my buddy both ended up working in the same school district, you know, and the difference between us was about $50,000. Like I made, I made about 50 more than him because I graduated college, you know, and college is not everything, but, you know, if you're going to get into this field, you know, you got to have a degree to, you know, be a certified teacher or whatever. And, you know, I just, I think back that, you know, I, I would like to have think, thought that I would never quit, but I was going to quit, you know, like, you know, and it hadn't been for a kick in the butt, you know, like who knows what would have turned out in my life. So, you know, A, never quit, but B, you know, also be grateful when you got people in your life that, you know, don't allow you. So I always tell our parents that story too. I said, so like when your kids, when your kids come home from practice and they tell you they want to quit because every single kid on the team at some point in time in their life, seventh grade through senior year has went home and it has come out of their mouth. I don't think I want to play no more because it is a tough sport. Like you're going to go put all that crap on and it's going to be a hundred degrees and you got to go run into another human. I mean, it's just a tough sport, you know? So like uh, the, the message to the parents are just kick them out. Don't let them quit. Just send them back to us. I promise you, we will help you make them a better human being. You know, like my dad did that and it has turned out really good. You know, like don't, don't, don't take it easy on them, man. Kick them out, send them back to us and let us go. You know, and that's my uh, never quit, don't fail story. I love it. Yeah. That's, that is I, great. Yeah. It's great. So you actually, the the guy, your roommate that quit, you worked at the same school district with him? He ended up being, uh, we're still good friends to this day. He ended up being director of transportation. And I ended up being the head football coach and assistant athletic director, you know, and both had great careers, but just because he never graduated college, you know, he just didn't make as much as me. You know, but he had a great career. But I'm just saying, like, and he would tell you to this day, you know, it's one of the biggest mistakes or one of the things he wish he could take back. But, you know, like, you know, when, when you're 18 years old, you know, like your brain's not fully developed. I mean, you need help making decisions. I often say this. Everybody needs a coach. I need a coach today. You know, like everybody needs somebody mm. that can be honest with them can help them, can kick them in the butt when they need a kick. Like, you know, everybody needs a coach, you know, and when you're left to make your own decisions at 18 years old, you know, unless you're a lot wiser than I was, 
you know, it, it can be tough. Yeah, this is one of the last story. professions where you can actually you are expected to tell people exactly how you feel and be honest with them. And, and he, you know, like, cause let's be honest in the classroom setting, students aren't getting challenged like they should anymore. They're not getting held accountable like they should anymore. There's really no other Avenue where it's pretty cut and dry. Either you're good enough or you need to get better. And if you're not good enough, how are you going to handle that? What's going to be your R you know, you're talking about E plus R equals that. What's your R? Are you going to get butt hurt, go home and quit? Or are you going to say, you know what? Okay. And I'm going to get good enough and, and, and do what I can today so that I can do what others can't tomorrow, you know? No yeah. No yeah. And that is something that we, we try really hard, you know, to, you know, intentionally teach our kids, you know, that, if you're not getting what you want, just work. Because if you're going to sit around and complain about it, or if you're going to go home and listen to your mom, you know, bad mouth the coach, you're getting worse. You're not getting better. So now if you're the backup, okay, even if you don't agree with it, you should work as hard as you can. So when the guy in front of you gets hurt, just like when Drew Bledsoe went down, Tom Brady never sat around and thought about, man, I'm getting cheated around here, man. Like this is some bull crap. Like what Tom Brady was doing was working out on Friday night in the indoor at midnight when everybody else was hanging out. And when he got his chance, he told his teammates, Drew Bledsoe will never get his job back because he was ready. He was prepared. He was like, let's go. And he never got his job back. You know, but what you sit around complaining about something, you ain't even working. Like now you get your chance, you ain't worth the crap. And then the guy comes back and gets his job back. You know, like that ain't how that ain't how you get better. And, and Adam says, it's funny you bring that up, John, because just the the last the last couple of episodes we had, we had we had our boy from Sarah in California, and Patrick Patrick was telling us how. Brady went to the school that he was coaching and, and he was from there and they were meeting him and talking to him or whatever. And he said, yeah, all I need is for Bledsoe to get hurt now. Like he was ready then. Did it plan it? If I'm lying, I'm dying. No, I mean, yeah. Brady was on the interview committee when he went for the job at Sarah yes. high school. <laughs> He's and sitting he was on the interview committee and he was wow. planning his spot. He said, that's all I need is something not, you don't wish somebody get hurt. You know, obviously it was said tongue in cheek, but that just shows I'm ready. If something were to happen, that's all I need is that little open. And so I can kick that door all the yep. way open. And yeah, you know what? Say it worked out. I've read and listened to a couple of books about that whole deal. And, you know, when he was going the spring after his sophomore year, uh, he goes in at Michigan on his own and finds a sports psychologist just because he wants to figure out how to proceed mentally. Like, and that's pretty. And that's pretty good for a kid that age to go find a sports psychologist. Well, especially he, back then, too, when that was not that was scoffed at by a no lot. No doubt of about it. No doubt about it. Well, he goes in and finds one. And, and the guy, I think, is still at Michigan. But he tells him, he says, you know, I think I'm, I think I'm going to transfer. You know, like what was the coach at that time? Uh Lloyd Carr. He said, I don't think he likes me. I don't think he's ever going to play me. Uh, I think I'm going to transfer. And his sports psychologist looked him square in the eye and said, Tom, don't nobody give a shit. You're not the starter now. So if you transfer, ain't nobody going to give a shit. He said, you know, so like if you want to transfer, transfer. He said, now what would be unique would be to fight for that job and be the very best that you can be and win the job in spite of everything else. So he leaves that day, contemplates, goes and sees the offensive coordinator and says, I'm not transferring. I'm going to win that job. You know, and that's from there he did. But, I mean, if you know his story, even as a senior, you know, he's rotating quarters with the uh, – what was the baseball guy they brought in to replace him? Uh, Chad Henney. Who? Was it Chad Henney? No, it was uh, – uh, he had already taken like a million-dollar contract from Major League Baseball. Uh, anyway, he's rotating – they're rotating quarters – his senior year to start the season. You know what I'm saying? So like this dude is from, from early on, he was looking over his shoulder, you know, thinking I'm going to be replaced if I make a mistake, which I think 
honestly leads to some of the reason why he's as great as he is down the stretch because he had to be great even in college just to get to play, you know, because his own coach really didn't believe in him. You know, I think there's I think there's a just a great what John uh, hit on something. And I, I read it years ago, John Maxwell, 360 degree leader. And it's, you know, we've all worked with these guys. Don't wait for the daggum title to act like, you know, you be the leader where you're at. And, you know, I've just seen so many mistakes. And I think every, every valued job and every promotion I had, they came and got me. You know, every job I went after, I told you, I came in second at Navarre. I came in second. You know, I didn't get, but I was doing a lesser job, but doing it with all I had. And those, and, and people know our offensive line coach needs to be the head coach of the offensive line because someday he might be a head coach or, you know, and, and I think sometimes it's, it's real tempting you know, and I'm talking the coaching side to the athlete, but the athlete's the same way. You know, act like the starter before you get the start. Prepare like the starter. You know, grow like the starter. But I think professionally it can happen too. Because if you wait until you get that title behind your name before you start acting professional, it's not going to happen for you. You know, yeah. Yeah. I, I just yeah. think that's a good yeah, absolutely. What's that saying? Uh, dress for the part you want, not the one you have, right? Yeah. Uh, just to clarify, it, it was Drew Henson. That was at Michigan. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Thanks, Jamie. Yeah. Pulling Pull that it. stuff Pulled up. Pulled it up. Pulled it up. <laughs> oh boy. Pulled it up. Man, you know what, Coach? I I could hear it all night long, but I, I think I think we might have we might have tapped it for this one. John's got to get up. John's gonna get up like at four in the morning and start reading. Cause this dude, when you, so I think I read some books and kind of, you know, kind of my deal and stuff. And John and I were talking one day and he says, Oh, well, have you read this book? And I was like, no, I didn't read that one. I write it down and stuff. And he goes, oh, okay. You read this one. I was like, no, no, I didn't read that one. He goes off and he, he names off eight straight books. And I'm like, what an idiot. Cause I'm sitting here going, no, John, I hadn't read that one either, buddy. But I've read some books, man. I do read and stuff. And <laughs> he's just rolling. And then, then he asked me, he goes, what do you like to read coach? And what, what books? And so I'm looking at my bookshelf and I, I name about five of them off there. Every one of them goes, Oh, great book. Yeah. I've read that one. Yeah. Every one of them, all my stuff he's read. I ain't read. I, so I'm trying to pick up my game now. He's making me better. So I'm gonna tell you I know what, he's man. got I absolutely love to read. It's one of those things that, you know, I started a long, you know, I don't know how long ago, but man, like I love it. And then, you know, you think about this, you know, coaching high school kids, like it gives you material and stories to share with high school kids, you know, like, you know, and it, it's, if our passion is make a difference in people's lives, you know, like reading is knowledge. Reading gives us an opportunity to share more and do more. And, you know, I need, I need to get out and do some running, you know, or some walking. Uh, but man, I'm gonna tell you what, that hour that I read in the morning time, I'm not giving that up, you know, like I'm going to figure out how to be better, but. You know, it Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Does listen to an audio book count as reading? It, it, yes and no. Like, Yes, as far as you're getting the information, but like, you know, the, I listened to a podcast the other day. If y'all have never run up on the Ed Milet podcast, it's the greatest podcast out there right now. But he has a neuroscientist on there the other day, and he just says, like, for mindfulness, uh, there is nothing that replaces reading words from paper. Nothing. Like, it's not listening. It's not, you know, like, and I've I got... I mean, I do like when I drive, I listen to books, you know, or podcasts and, you know, but like, I love to, to, you know, mark up a book. Okay. Like this, you know, like emotional, uh, intelligence. Love that one. Yeah. Like, great book. Well, like I, yeah. you know, I, I read it, I mark it up and all this. Well, superintendent calls the other day and he wants to borrow the book because he's teaching a class and he needs a diagram out of it because he had only I read the book in maybe 15 minutes because I read everything that I underlined and my notes. So like, even like, you don't have to read the whole freaking thing again, but I felt like because I had underlined and, you know, like I have a little technique I use, so it helps me to go back, you know, and take crap out of there. No, that's called cliff notes, John. Yeah, I know, man. I'm just not a cliff note dude. Right? <laughs> but I tell you something I have learned. Like if I pick up a book and I struggle 
to wake up the next morning and be fired up about it, I just put it up. Like, yeah, I'll quit yeah. that joke right then. Well, I, I just, I'm sure you guys are hip to it, but I just got hip to uh, old Jeff Jansen. Yeah, those books right there. I, I, I just got it in the mail yesterday. The how to build a uh, and sustain the championship culture. I'm about, I'm about to dive deep into that one. I'll tell you what, uh, John's habit. This is, I think, it, it speaks to all our healthy habits. He, he brought in that habit so impactful. Well, casually read, you know, but now I'm just eating up books because he's throwing at us right and left. And I've, I've got a son that lives in L.A. He teaches out there, and you know, I'm going through some stuff, you know, and and we've had a good experience. But everything I'm quoting is even out of a daggum book John gave me, you know. And I'm just, I'm just, I'm just helping him out. And he makes his statement. I got to share it with John. He's like, and and he's met John all of seven minutes, you know, and he's like, dadgum dad, I'm glad Coach Perry, you know, got that job. So you read more because it's sure helping me out, you know, and uh, (laughs) that's great, man. You know, we we have a leadership class at our at our school and it started two years ago on Zoom and we invited 12 kids. John pulled us and said, you know, who are our leaders of our team and, and, you know, teach these kids how to be leaders. We always complain about not having leaders. These kids don't know how to be leaders. So we have a curriculum and uh, two weeks ago, because we canceled this week, two weeks ago on Thursday morning at 630, 75 students were in a room learning how to be a leader. And it's just because that's the attraction. And, and I'd say, and, and our, our community's good. We, we buy curriculum and stuff, but probably 80% of the material comes from what John's read, you know? And, and so I guess my whole concluding statement is the power of a habit, the power of a habit and how it not only impacts yourself, but impacts other people. Good and bad, you know? Yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. Phil, tell, tell them about the book you're reading right now, because if they ain't read it, they need to get it. <laughs> well, you've kind of ruined me, John, because you told about how enthusiastic I am on the celebrations. But uh, I, I also uh, I'm to the age that that I, I like to be sp- uh, fed spiritually, too, you know, and uh, he's got a book, John O'Leary on fire and. uh he, he said, we, we saw a videotape. He, he's on YouTube. I don't think that that videotape we saw in mind view is a lot better. It was a hook for me. And then John just told the kids, he said, second best book I read. So obviously I was on Amazon 20 minutes later ordering it for myself. And uh, actually was kind of bogged down in a Tony Dungy book. But this is a young man and this thing's changing my life. This, this guy uh, got burned 100% of his body at age nine. And he is now a professional speaker and, and and goes back to what a blessing that event has had and the people that impact him. And gentlemen, you might want to close the door because your sinuses will act up when you're reading it as a parent and as, as just working with kids. But uh, I don't know. I've got about 60 more pages, so it'll be done this week. But uh, it, it's it's been absolutely fantastic. And it's on fire by John O'Leary and just send a copy. My kids love it because every time I get excited about a book, I send everybody a copy, but yeah. <laughs> so here's another book for him, another book for him to read, but it, it's a dandy. It's a, you know, and just from the parent experience, I can't, his parents, I was telling John are so wise and so strong. That kid comes home from five months from a hospital stay has amputated his fingers, uh, is sitting in a family of six kids. It's the first time because the house was burnt down. Parents are parents of faith. Is that it? Yeah, you'll love it. Order place. There we go. <laughs> you'll love it. And uh, so he gets scalloped potatoes. He gets to choose the meal, which really bring home to me because that's how Whitworth celebrate. And uh, so he's smelling it. He's excited. The family had gotten shipped off. First time they ever ate ever together since the accident and he can't he we realized he can't pick up a fork he doesn't have any you know his, mm. his fingers are gone he's got two nubbins so his sister reaches over and uh starts to scoop up some potatoes for him and she gets about halfway to his mouth his mom says stop she said john will feed himself and you know he explains how much he hated that lady at that moment and you know couldn't believe and uh, obviously when we challenge and something i thought of is 
you know, what we have to do now as coaches is build that relationship because that's what his mom had. And you can't challenge anybody anymore without a relationship. And uh, so anyway, just what a life changer. But I was I was sharing with John. I'd probably have a 40 year old boy still on my back. I'd been such a mother hen, you know, if my son went through that, you know, but his parents were so wise, so wise. And it is just a good book, man. Yeah. Well, you know, he, he showed off. So now I'm going to, uh, <laughs> I, I, I just, I just got the uh, audio book. So I, well, I'm going to, I'm going to start that one too. We, we need to get some kickback from that, John. Yeah, right. You know? Absolutely. Hey, I'm going to tell you what, it is a fantastic <laughs> book and yeah. you know, it will, it'll be, it, there'll be things in that that you'll never forget. And when adversity hits as it's going to hit for all of us, you know, when you think about, you know, adversity is relative, right? I mean, it's relative to, you know, what you're going through. And when you think about some of the, my first book, right, is Man's Search for Meaning. Like that's probably the most impactful book I've ever read. Uh, But it's the same thing. I mean, like, you know, like when, when I have a bad day or start to have a bad day, I think, uh, it's not really that bad. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like there's been folks go through a lot worse than me. Yeah. Yeah. I have an opener. I tell you one of my, one of my, my, my best friend, uh, uh, Puerto Rican. Real cat, tight, so. huh? You don't, yeah. You well, no, I, I was trying to figure out how, how I, I would friends. start this. I guess. No, I mean, he, he was my best man at my wedding. Yeah. He's my best friend. <laughs> anyway, we play, I was going to talk smack about him, but I'm, I'm trying to debate if I was going to be nice or what. Oh, but what's he, his name? Yeah. Angel. Yeah. Oh, you know, all hot wheels. But so anyway, we, he, he got paralyzed on his honeymoon in Hawaii. And, uh, you know, and, and, and it was 2001, you know, and, and then fast forward about 10 years and, uh, we're, we're sitting there and I'm just going on about things that I'm mad about. And I can't believe this happened. And I got this luck going on it. And he looks at me just chill as can be. And he goes, wiggle your toes, brother. And I was like, I'm such an asshole right now. I, I'm so he goes, it's all good, man. But you know, Whenever you think it's got a bad, man, just look at those toes. And it's kind of like that coin in your pocket, you know, it's just that, that little, that yep. little just phrase, it just wiggle your toes for me. Now that's where I go. Okay. Reality check, pal. Okay. It was a bad call. Reality check. You know, no doubt. Mm. No doubt. Coach, yeah. I don't know how we could, we could, uh, we could end a podcast better than this right here. I, I, we, we, man, you guys, okay. It. So Flanagan always makes fun of me because Every time we have a good guest, I'm always asking John, Phil, promise me we're going to do this again because, like, th- this is great. I, I could I could go on forever with you guys, and it sounds like we haven't even scratched the surface with you, and Phil is extremely safe in his playing tonight. So I I, I hear – I feel like there, there's tremendous uh, power in the force with this one right here. So, uh, guys, come back and let's do this again. Really appreciate, appreciate it, you having us on there. Yeah, yeah. I had a lot of fun. Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, let's go ahead and turn off the lights and close the door and lock it with that key and we'll close the close the uh the episode out on this 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 lounge. Thank y'all. Sounds good. Thanks, fellas. Appreciate right, yes. you guys. Thank hey, you, fellas. Thank, Thank you, guys. You. All right. How do you stop the recording? I think you push that stop button. Stop. <laughs>